Hello, everyone. I am Matt Burton. He has the grace of a swan, the wisdom of an owl, and the eye of an eagle. Ladies and gentlemen, this man is for the birds. I want to tell you guys about Anytime Fitness Gyms. Our partnership with 23rd Street Anytime Fitness just started, and we couldn't be more excited. If you're in central Oklahoma City and thinking about getting a head start on New Year's resolution or wanting to work off the beer and food from Saturday, head to Anytime Fitness on 23rd and Walker next to the Drake Restaurant in Uptown OKC. You get 24-7 access, private parking located behind the building, everything you'd need for your fitness goals. What more could you ask for? Don't worry if you don't live near this particular Anytime Fitness with over 10 locations in Oklahoma City, as well as multiple locations in Tulsa and Dallas, you'd be set. Just come into the 23rd Street location to sign up and you're free to use any of Anytime Fitness facilities 24-7. Tell them you heard about the deal from Through the Keyhole. Be sure to like and share Uptown Anytime Fitness on Facebook and Instagram. Follow them there for updates on deals and other cool activities. The gym is looking forward to over 40,000 upgrades in equipment and amenities over the next year, so beat the rush and join the best gym in town. Join now for the $1 enrollment program going on now through the end of October. Again, that's 23rd Street Anytime Fitness on Walker and 23rd by the Drake. Tell them through the keyhole sent you. Still running. It's a quarter. CD. We are back. Matt, that felt good. God, that felt good. It was a fun, long last week. It is the Tuesday edition of Through the Keyhole. I'm joined alongside Matt Burton. This is Keegan Renault. My voice is obviously back. If you guys listened to last week's Tuesday episode, you probably could have tell you could have good lord welcome to tuesday you could have figured out that i was not feeling all that well but i'm back i feel great matt it's been a uh, about four or five days i saw you yesterday but it's been about four or five days how you been been pretty good man pretty good i uh i hope the people didn't mind too much uh when me and peyton it was just me and peyton on post game uh like i texted you i said we went off the rails and stayed there so I hope people didn't mind that too much, but uh, you're back now, back now. So uh, Keegan can you know keep me on the rails. Oh, it's not even that. That's what <laughs> that's the best part of these podcasts. And right off the top here, just wanted to get out ahead and say, Matt, happy Thanksgiving. Yes, happy Thanksgiving to and everyone. To everyone, to all of our listeners, we are of thanks to you guys that we get to do this on a weekly, bi-weekly, tri-weekly basis in the football season. And thankful for everybody that listens, supports us. It's It's been a fun journey. The season's almost coming to a close. We have about five, six more weeks uh, of this. And it's been fun. So, again, just want to say thank you to you guys. Thanks um, to people that allow us to do it. It's like Vanessa House and Anytime Fitness that help us out. Um, it's, been a, it's been a fun, fun time. Matt, there's been a football game between the last I've been on and this episode, Oklahoma beats Iowa State 28-21 to in an absolute gross football game. And Norman, I think there were seven or eight fumbles. Like, only yeah. four of them were lost, or three of them maybe. Maybe even less than that. But there were tons of turnover opportunities. There was hardly anything offensively from Oklahoma. Brock Purdy was running for his life for the third yeah. straight game. Uh, there's a there's a lot to, to take from it. So let, I'm going to start there um, tonight, and then we'll kind of move forward through with some playoff talk. 
Oklahoma's the that door cricked open just a little just bit. A tad, just, just a, a little. Tip. Just they're a just lurking. Just the tip. <laughs> just, just just for a second. Just for a second. Just the playoff community's feels. like, hey, yeah. hey, if you guys win this weekend, you're gonna have a shot at we'll this. A shot. We'll yeah. give you. We'll, we'll give you a second chance. We'll give you. Yeah, we'll give you a chance. But Iowa State comes in the Norman Matt. Don't look like a very good football team for about three quarters, and in the final two drives, they really turn it on. It made the Oklahoma's defensive performance look a lot worse than what it did. Um, as someone who was tweeting throughout the game on Saturday, I did mention like Alex Grinch can finally get a good night's rest. Yes, yeah, definitely. To me, to me, that game felt like the Nebraska game, where it was close, but the defense was playing well. Offense really wasn't helping them out. But I, it, I to me, it, it never felt like. I never felt like oh oh he's gonna lose this until the very like end right until the very end I was then I was getting a little nervous whenever they were just going to Charlie Kohler just again and again and again uh, that's the only time I really thought that Iowa State was going to win that game or at least have a chance to tie it up and send it to overtime but yeah to me it did it felt like the Nebraska game man the defense absolutely showed up man it was just it's so much. That, that's the defensive line we thought we were going to see. And it's funny when, when Perrin Winfrey shows up and you get to call him by his name on this podcast now, yeah. finally. Um, he's no longer eight. Well, Peyton's not here. I would have screwed that up anyways. <laughs> right. um, but whenever he plays well, it's a, it's it looks a lot different. And right. I think you've seen that from Isaiah Thomas. I think we've seen flashes from Jalen Redmond earlier in the season. You've seen the consistency from Nick Benito week to week. Uh, but when Perrin Winfrey plays like that... And you have the guys behind them that come in and get and make the most of their snaps, like Isaiah Coe and Corey Roberson. Um, it's that they're really, really good, man. They're I've, I've said this in the last week. I truly believe this. If Perrin Winfrey plays like that, that's a it's a top five unit in college football. Like it, it completely. You know, in our posts and some of our Friday posts two weeks ago ahead of the Baylor game, I mentioned the fact that. Oklahoma can go into every game in this final stretch knowing that they have the best unit on the field in the defensive yeah. line. It's showed up, and it's made a huge difference. Um, Iowa State goes 4 of 17 on third down. Uh, they go 5 of 7 on fourth down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll uh, we'll look over that for just a second. I I look at this defense, and, and not just Perron Winfrey, but you know a lot of people are like, oh, well, the healthy guys are back. Matt, Woody Washington's back. Delaire Antonio's back. Made a big impact the last couple yes. of weeks. But the guys that have been healthy, two in particular on this podcast that have gotten highlighted almost every week. Last year, you weren't on this podcast, but I know you listened. I talked about Brian Osamoa, how close he is. How close he is to breaking and getting over that hump of becoming a, a an elite linebacker. Finally, seems like he's gotten over that hump. See it again this week. He's going to have another good test with Oklahoma State. We'll save a little bit of more of that as for Thursday. But when Winfrey and Osamoa have played like this the last couple of weeks, they look different. And that's not because of Woody Washington. And that's not because um, of DeLaren Turner Yell. Oh, Deshaun White, another kind of a guy that's not going to sit here and say he's a scapegoat, but is kind of a fall guy oh, for yeah. this defense yeah, yeah, yeah. at times. He's out for one game, and it's very obvious why he starts. Oh, uh, with sure. the way David Aguayu played, so they they get him back. I think the Ooh. Baylor game maybe even looks a little bit different with with Deshaun White there, with all the mental mistakes that happen at linebacker. But again, Matt, you're looking at a, a game and you're you're looking at a, a situation where Oklahoma defensively gives you some confidence that 
maybe this thing is kind of actually heading in the direction we thought it was heading. It definitely does. Uh, Winfrey playing like he did, like, I don't know, you can't, he's not going to show up on the stat sheet. Like, what what he did is not going to show up on the the stat sheet. You can't quantify that, really. You you can just say, oh, basically every play that that he was in, basically, he messed up what Iowa State was trying to do. And someone else came in and made the play. But it was because of Perron Winfrey. And that's what, man, unless, this is kind of what I was saying on the postgame show with Chisholm. Like, unless you're Aaron Donald, you're not getting, like, 20 sacks as an interior defensive lineman. That's just not realistic. Aaron Donald's an outlier to the rule. But, like, if a defense, interior defensive tackle, that that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to get in there and just mess everything up. I mean, we work with the guy here, Kelly Gregg who played 13 years in the NFL and like probably didn't have the numbers that you would think but he messed everything up like that's why Ray Lewis got all those tackles and Ray Lewis is really good but Kelly Gray you have Kelly Gregg down there taking up two offensive linemen just messing everything up that leaves Ray Lewis time to you know just get in there and stop the run make a tackle for a loss uh, that's what Perron Winfrey needs to do like he can be elite at that and that's what another thing that you know, these these great defenses that Oklahoma's had, that's what they've had the best at. You think you got Tommy Harris, defensive tackle. Gerald He's, McCoy. Gerald McCoy, Dusty Dvorak. Like, these guys, you have to double-team them or else they're going to make your life a living hell. Like, And that frees up other people on the line. If Perron Winfrey, like Perron Winfrey, we're, he's, the, he's the straw that stirs the drink. Exactly, we're upset at Perron Winfrey this year because we know how talented he is and what he can do, and uh, it's it's good to finally start seeing him do that. As far as Brian Osamoa goes, he has all the intangibles that you want: athleticism, freak athlete, uh, one of the first guys off the bus, just physically. Uh, I'm just I'm I'm glad to see him finally. Turn around. It looks like a, a flip got switched a little bit, and he's playing with his hair on fire. Yeah, he comes off a bye week and plays really, uh, really well. Uh, a guy that could come back next year. Uh, he would not participate in Senior Day, I don't believe. So that is the one guy that I'm like circling. It's like, okay, if he comes back, Oklahoma's defense isn't going to be in as bad of shape as I, I thought it was going to be. Matt, uh, let's flip it over on the other side of the ball and wrap up Iowa State. It's a weird situation like we've talked about it ad nauseum on this podcast for six weeks now really since Caleb took over that there were going to be times like this that there was going to be situations that he is not ready for and should have nobody should should have thought otherwise it just it's just how football is I mean I mean Trevor He's a unicorn. There's a reason why Trevor Lawrence is, was the number one pick, and there's a reason why he's going to play football for a long, long time yeah. in the NFL. Um, not every guy comes in in situations and does that and is ready for that moment. And uh, Caleb, I think, is ready in terms of like expectation, expectations, dealing with those things. I think he's going to be fine. I, you know, even some of the Lincoln Riley quotes. I even retweeted a couple today. I thought they were perfect. Um, you know, I, I have the utmost confidence in that kid. Like he. The throw to Marvin Mims, and you can we can go through a little bit of the game, but the throw to Marvin Mims late in the game into a tight window over the middle of the field, just replay that over and over. And every time he walks in the quarterback room, the four plays, the three against Tech and the one against 
gets Iowa State. I mean, he those are things that he can grow off of. So offensively, I want to say again, the play calling's fine. I talked with Matt about this and showed him some stuff oh, yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, if yeah. you've watched our all twenty-two, people will understand the play calling is is the game plan and the play calling. Don't get me wrong, lean into the run game a little bit more. Um, but there was also times where if the there was windows that were hit, if there was guys that would be blocked, it's both sides. Because like they're now in this weird like realm of for a while it was really easy like go to the Nebraska game right we get the access to the all twenty two it flips okay Spencer was really bad in the second half still like he moved the ball they put some drives together but he was still bad in terms of executing the offense and doing those things um, the West Virginia game offensive line just terrible right uh, and then you can go you know the Kansas State game like. Spitzer overcame offensive line problems. And then you kind of go throughout the list, like Caleb was really good against Texas Tech because the offensive line sucked. Caleb was good against TCU um, because the offensive line was good. Like, they were both really good in that game. Now you've had two straight games, guys, where the offensive line's been shaky at times, and then the quarterback's been good, and then the quarterback's bad, and the offensive line's good. Like, there's zero complimentary football uh, we talked about this ball in the defense yesterday during our hour segment on Triple M here on the franchise. Um, the defense is starting to show signs of playing complementary football in terms of the pass rush is helping the secondary, the secondary is kind of helping the pass rush. Um, that's what you really, really want to see offensively, Matt. It's like, God, Caleb's going through his progressions. He gets to that final guy, gets hit doesn't go through his progressions and focuses on one guy or one window, and then he waits, holds the ball too long or doesn't see a window. Like, there's zero complimentary football played on that side of the ball, and uh, they got a uh, a stiff test this weekend. So we'll uh, we'll kind of see how this plays out, but just to throw it to you on the offense, I know I've shown you a couple things. People are patrons. Uh, you can check that out at patreon.com slash through the keyhole. The All-22 offense, I'm going to a little snippet on Caleb Williams up tonight um, and then finishing up on the defense tomorrow from the Iowa State game because uh, it's not super, super long. But, Matt, kind of your final thoughts on the offense. Man, uh, it was good to see the running game get going. I will say they that. They found something. Like, I, like I've said a million times, if, if Kennedy, I said to you, if Kennedy Brooks has a good game running the football, uh, OU wins. More often than not, OU wins. And that's not because Oklahoma has like a giant lead and then he runs the football a lot in it right, as well. Like no. when, when Kennedy's running the ball well in the first half. Yes, that opens up, it opens up everything. Um, but just like you said, the I, and you showed me the clips. I've seen the footage, guys. Uh, the play calling was fine. Things were, things were open. Uh, that Caleb will want back. Uh, Lincoln will want back. And it's not just it's not just Caleb. It's also the run game. There right. are times where there's a one guy misses a block, whether it's a tight end or a lineman. Yeah. And so yeah, I don't know. I, it was good to see them. I don't know. Lean on the run game. Get Kennedy going. Even though. Uh, the passing game wasn't there, man. I I just I want to see like that that slant to Jaden Hazelwood. I want to see that until the defense proves they can stop it because uh, that guy, man. I I love Jaden Hazelwood. I think that he's super talented. He was there was nobody within ten yards of him when he caught that slant, and man, I I want to see that uh, run to death uh, this next week against uh, against Oklahoma State, but. Man, as far as the Iowa State game goes, disappointing from Caleb. But like I've said, and like you've said, like everyone has said, these three, these last three regular season games were always going to be his toughest tests. 
and, you know, didn't really pass the Baylor one. Did he pass it with a curve? With a curve, yeah. With a curve, he passed the Iowa State game, too. I mean, I would say uh, just basically because they won. <laughs> right. Um, but no, I, I. this will be the toughest test, though. This will be the toughest test with Jim Knowles in this defense and uh, a pissed-off Malcolm Rodriguez. Yeah, again, we'll talk. We'll dive more into right. Oh, Oklahoma sorry, State sorry, on sorry, Thursday. Sorry. No, you're good. No, you're good because we're going to talk about him here in just a second. But I, I think the the biggest thing, it, people that are listening, is that one, these are correctable issues week to week. Uh, they, I was expecting it as people read from Iowa State to Baylor. I was expecting it to get corrected within a week's time, and maybe that's on me for thinking that. So in terms of like windows, right? You you've heard you heard me talk a lot about Spencer and like whether it was you know he was still at like start fifteen, he was still at start sixteen. Um, I was looking at some stuff today. I've brought this up before on this podcast, but um, Lincoln brought it up today in terms of like Baker and Kyler had started games before they had gotten to Oklahoma. Right? It took Baker until the post Ohio State game. Right? That was his twenty fifth start that Ohio State game was. So it took him twenty six games. To get it and figure it out and figure out how to run this offense at a high level, uh, it took Kyler fourteen or fifteen career starts in college. A little bit different. He was a fourth year guy. Jalen started thirty games plus. Never ever got it. Spencer took him seventeen starts in the Texas game. I think there's still some unknown of like afterwards, right? Of what could have happened, but uh, he didn't figure it out in seventeen games. Caleb's in start six. Yeah, this he'll is- be. Yes, if it's that that window you're looking for, people post OU Texas next year is what kind of trajectory schedule of Caleb needs to be where he needs to be at by after OU Texas next year, and he's been thrown into a situation I've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast. That's not fair to him. It's on Lincoln Riley for not getting Spencer ready. It's on Spencer for not getting himself ready, and now Lincoln's kind of stuck in this. Oh, I don't know. I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say limbo with two future NFL quarterbacks, but like he's stuck in this weird place of where he completely miscalculated what his quarterback room was capable of. He miscalculated what his offensive line room was capable of, and now he's week twelve. And he's making a comment about how him and Caleb are still feeling each other out, right? Like that's completely on the guy that's responsible for the quarterback room. It's on the OC and it's on the head coach. And Lincoln Riley is responsible for all three of those things. So I'm at a point where I'm still going to trust the guy that has put a two game plans together and schemes together for two tough defenses. That's pretty good. There was if, if have you watched all 22 yet? Not, it was no, it's no. a long one this week. Right. I went through every play, but I there was three or four plays this week where Iowa State like couldn't have played better defense. They had they couldn't have had a better call. They couldn't have defended it any better than what they did and you got to tip your cap a little bit but at the same time I'm like well it is Lincoln like he should have a better answer for that coverage and that look um but whatever it may be Matt uh Oklahoma's 10 and 1 college football playoff rankings are released tonight Oklahoma's 10th Baylor is 8th and Oklahoma State is 7th I don't believe any other there's no big 12 teams left Kansas State's an important one I'm going to start off there they got a game down in Austin this weekend. Skylar Thompson, I think, is out. I think he got hurt at the final yeah. minutes of the game against Baylor last weekend. You want to talk about an important game for resume? If you're going up 
Oh, I guess we haven't even gotten to that point yet. So let's, let's wait, pause, and we'll put a pause on that, Matt. Yeah, yeah. We'll put a pause on that. Top six, one Georgia. Ohio State jumped Bama this week, so they're two. Alabama's three. Um, Alabama's three. Cincinnati's four. Uh, Michigan's five. Cincinnati's sixth. Oklahoma State's seventh. Baylor eighth. Ole Miss ninth. Oklahoma tenth. So, Matt, as we jokingly said earlier, that door creaked a little bit open. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. The committee was feeling a little giving on this Thanksgiving. You know, they were like, hey, we'll, we'll give you another shot. We'll give you another shot, you know, or, or any of the Big 12 teams. They just won't die, Baylor. Matt. Yeah, they won't. They it's won't, every man. year. It's crazy. And, you know, just whenever you were listing off, like, or whenever you were saying that OU's 10-1, and 1, I was just thinking about, like, this entire year. And if you would have told me, or if I would have said to you, hey, midway through the Texas game, uh, Spencer Rattler gets benched for Caleb Williams, and Caleb Williams has to play the rest of the year. Would you have said that they're ten and one? No, no. It's no. crazy. It's it's crazy, man. Not a shot. Yeah, exactly. So it's nuts, man. But hey, we're we're uh, we're holding on to the front of the roller coaster, man. We're ready. We're no. It's been a ride. ride. For this ride, it's man. Been, it's been one. It's been one I'm already. Ready for this and man, oh man, the uh, the pokes are confident. This is about as confident as I've seen Oklahoma State. I so my brother was at the uh, 2011 game, and he was in the student section for the 2011 game. So what that means is that he got the brute of Oklahoma fandom in that game. Like he wore it on his sleeve yeah. in that student section. Uh, some of the stories I've been told I will not repeat on right. air. Um, I was at the 2013 game in Stillwater. They were pretty confident heading into that one. More, I think they were more confident in 13 than they were in 11. And that probably had to do with Oklahoma's quarterback situation. Uh, I rewatched that game. It's still amazing that Justin Gilbert didn't finish that interception. It's crazy. Absolutely nuts. This is about as confident I've seen them. They're they're seventh. They have a very clear path into getting into the playoff right now. There are only losses to a top 10 team in Baylor. Baylor goes, I believe, plays Texas Tech. I don't know if that game is at. I, they lost to Iowa State. That game, that game is in. Oh, Oklahoma State lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They lost to Iowa State. Pardon me on that. They beat a top 10 team, though. Right. Thanks for the correction. Uh, I So Baylor goes and plays Texas Tech this weekend, and that's an important game. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State both need Baylor to go and win that. Um, but, Matt, I you kind of look at the picture right now. You have Ohio State, Michigan. So number two versus number five. One of the teams going to lose. We which know which are, one that is. This is an Oklahoma podcast, but I'm on Michigan this weekend. <laughs> okay, I, okay. I've, I have, I have a, I not them to win, but I again, I, I said this yesterday. Like I've, Ohio State has struggled against good teams, right? And they needed to finally come out and kind of prove themselves. And they did obviously against Michigan State, but Michigan State's frauds not nearly as good as Penn State. That from a talent perspective, they're not nearly as even. I don't think as talented as Oregon was. So Ohio State came out and did what they were supposed to do. They're going to get a lot tougher tests this weekend. Probably the toughest team that they played this year. In the next two weeks will be their two toughest games of the season. And so I'm looking looking forward to that. Um, I Matt, 
Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan, one of those teams loses. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma have a chance to jump them. Alabama, Georgia. It's another game where Oklahoma desperately or teams on the outside looking in need Georgia to win out. And if that happens, Alabama or Michigan or Ohio State, two of those teams are knocked out. So that leaves six that leaves six teams, or as it kind of looks out, maybe five teams for there's those four spots. So you have Georgia, you have the Ohio State Michigan winner, there's two. Cincinnati beats Houston here in a couple weeks, maybe three. Notre Dame plays Stanford this week in their final game. They'll be eleven and one. But I Notre Dame, I just if you're not in a conference, you have to go undefeated. I'm sorry. Their schedule's not very good. They've That's lost the day. Yeah, I mean, they. Like, I don't know if Virginia Tech's going to be bowl eligible. I know Florida State isn't, but they have kind of in the earlier in the year. Notre Dame's got some of those same flaws that Oklahoma had. Yeah. Notre Dame, I feel like it just like you know what you kind of know what you signed up for. If you're not going to join a conference, you're you don't get to play in a conference championship game. You have to go undefeated. I'm sorry. Those that's kind of what you signed up for. Through the Keyhole is brought to you by Uptown Anytime Fitness. That is Anytime Fitness on 23rd and Walker. The best gym in Oklahoma City, if you ask me. And I know that for a fact because I've been using it for just about two years and I couldn't love it anymore. Perfect size, perfect amount of equipment. And we're even getting $40,000 upgraded equipment over the next few months, so we're excited for that. But it's not too big, it's not too small, it's not intimidating. So for first-time gym users or, you know, if you're out there getting closer and closer to the new year and you're thinking about New Year's resolutions, new fitness goals, yeah, this gym is not intimidating. There's never a, a ton of people inside at any point during the day, so you never have to wait for your equipment. It's just the best place, in my opinion, to be if you're just trying to improve yourself in one way or another. And the new owner, Garrett, is awesome, very personable, very helpful, and wants to help you guys out as much as possible. So for the month of October, they're doing a dollar membership sign-up fee. Again, it's a dollar membership sign-up fee for the month of October. Just let them know that you heard about this deal from Through the Keyhole or just from me. Maybe you'll run into me and you can make fun of me. But again, there are about a 1,000 Anytime Fitnesses across the map. So if you don't necessarily live around Uptown OKC, you can just come up here, sign up with this gym with Garrett, and then you're able to use any of Anytime Fitness's facilities. There are a ton in the metro. There's a few in Edmond. There's a few in Tulsa. I was just in Dallas a few weeks ago and used an Anytime Fitness in Seagaville, Anytime Fitness in Kaufman. So even if you travel consistently, Anytime Fitness will still be there to help you achieve your fitness goals. And hey, if you are perfectly fine with how you feel, how you look, all those things, that's fine. But just help us out here at Through the Keyhole and go ahead and like Uptown Anytime Fitness on Facebook and Instagram. Give them a follow. We will greatly appreciate that. But as I was alluding to, Matt. Sorry. No. No, 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 no. You're good. Just like Notre Dame. No. I was pulling a, a Dean Blevins back to football talk. No, I, Matt, I, the door's open, man. Like, I, if it Oklahoma is. goes 12 and 1, they jump the loser of Michigan and Ohio State. They jump Alabama, who has two losses. Uh, they jump Baylor. They jump Ole Miss. Then it jumps down between maybe a, a final spot, kind of what it's looking like, a final spot between Cincinnati, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma. Um, you know? I, or two of those final spots will be for Cincinnati, Notre Dame, or Oklahoma. Yeah, and some of them will be left out. I don't think it's going to be Oklahoma. I don't think it's going to be Cincinnati either because they beat Notre Dame. Oh yeah, I mean this thing is 
there's 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 a door here and then Oklahoma and if you want to get weird Matt you want to get weird let's do it if Houston beats Cincinnati Oklahoma gets a home game in the Cotton Bowl against Ohio State <laughs> they would be about Ooh. a 13 point dog 10 to yeah 13. that's that's about right that sounds about right so with all that being said as this season sees its winding end Matt where Oklahoma almost loses in Lawrence. Should have lost a football game in Lawrence. Oklahoma should have lost to West Virginia, and they probably should have lost to Nebraska. Should have lost to Texas. Am I missing anybody? Um, I don't know, but I know that they... Uh... Oh, and Tulane. Tulane, yeah. That's Forgot right. about Tulane. Jeez, how could we forget? With all that said, you look here and there's the final two weeks and Oklahoma's right in kind of the thick of it you go win a game this weekend you get Oklahoma State again you get a chance to be a top 10 team twice and the, stupidly enough the committee to only sees that as like two different games and kind of two different teams it's kind of weird but the door's there and I wouldn't have believed it I would have believed you if to tell you that Oregon was going to lose to Utah I was all over that um but they this is this is crazy, man. It's every year too. It's every single year. We get here, the Lincoln Riley after a loss stands up there, still like, oh yeah, we have all of our dreams out. And nobody wanted to hear it this year. I get it because yeah. they're not playing good football, but they're here, and it's it's a real legitimate possibility now. And two weeks ago, I asked you guys on the post game podcast if they were still there. Both of you guys said no. I still think it. I still think it's a long shot. For sure, because listen, uh, this this Oklahoma State team is good. This is a good Oklahoma State team. They're pretty specifically good. that defense, man. That defense is insane. Um, I'm going to play both sides here. Uh, I do not think uh, part of me does not think that OU can beat this Oklahoma State team twice. Interesting. Twice in two weeks. That'll be that'll be a tough ask. But on the other side, on my other shoulder. The uh, the angel is telling me. Uh, traditionally, I know this is this might not mean anything. This might be stupid, whatever you want to call it. Uh, traditionally, these Lincoln Riley teams they play way better as the hunter than the hunted. They play way better once they have the, like the pressures on Oklahoma State. Oh yeah, they're number seven. They're you know if they just win Bedlam, oh, they don't have they, to play. They don't have to play OU again. Like, let's go through this scenario real quick. We're already here. Let's just go through. Yeah, it. Yeah. We're already here. It's Bedlam week. We're here. One Bedlam week top ten matchup. I brought up to Matt. Uh, ten tenth time I believe this will be the eleventh game when they're both ranked in the last fourteen seasons for a record that is very lopsided to Oklahoma. <laughs> That's only two losses for Oklahoma State of those games. Uh. Kind of crazy, like how good a football has been played in the state yeah. of Oklahoma. I want to cut to you because of this. You say all that, and I'm with you. It's going to be their fans think they're winning heading into this game. I think a lot of people will pick Oklahoma State this weekend. I think a lot of the national people people will. But Matt, if they lose this weekend, that's where I like. I disagree with you on the. If Oklahoma can't beat them twice, if Oklahoma wins this weekend, I think they win twice. And Oklahoma has to win this game to make tough, it twice. Man. 
It'll be tough, man. I think they are going to be. I am telling you. This have you been to Bedlam? To and Sto- have you been to Bedlam in Stillwater? Have you it been? Two thousand eleven. You went two thousand eleven. Okay, so in thirteen, I we were leaving the stadium, and I have never felt more just walking around and the eyes that were on you. It was just like we hate you. Right? Yeah, they were so devastated. Yeah, dev. I mean. As devastated as I've ever been in a, an arena, a building, um, it, it was really, really crazy. If they lose this game this weekend, the last one in Stillwater, yeah. if they lose this game, oh my God. No, I'm with you. You might have flipped me. You might have flipped me on my thing, but I'm an easy, I'm, I'm easily a flip-flopper. I, I will flip-flop easy. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I just... I really do feel like it's just they're so confident, man. The the pokes on Twitter, man, they are very, very confident. So I'm with you. If they lose this one, that confidence gets shattered. And they're like, we have to do this again in one week. In one week. We have to do this again. Mm. So I'm saying, man, all the pressure's on them. Every single bit of the pressure's on them. If they just win this one, they don't have to play OU again. And they do it. I don't. I don't know, man. I don't yeah, know. if they if, if they, they if they win this weekend and knock Oklahoma and end their streak in Stillwater, it's going to be a madhouse. This this de- this defensive line has to show up like they did against Iowa State. The defense that held Brees Hall to fifty eight yards rushing that that has to show up. Oh, it was a massacre along the defensive line. Like I said, we'll get into that more. It was a I mean a ass kicking up front. Yeah, and that, we knew that yeah. about Iowa State. Heading into it, right. I mean, they were the only thing that I was like holding my kind of like, oh, like can they can they put a plan together like Baylor did that negated that defensive line and how good they were? And I'll just say this: I talked to some people down in Waco that I know, and some some of them close, one of them's on staff down there, off the field role, and they basically were like, "Holy shit, that defensive line's good," and. So that was Baylor's, you know, the one of the best offensive lines in the Big Twelve. Um, you know, I had someone asked me this week, Matt, or yesterday or this morning, I forgot when it was. Like, if Oklahoma's like defensive line or offensive line, like, is it the best unit of the two on the field? And I was like, yes, like it, it is this weekend. Like, Oklahoma State's offensive line is not that good. There's context to why Oklahoma State generates more pressure than Oklahoma does, but it's not the defensive line. It's how they blitz, how they disguise it. How they do those things, but Matt, like, whenever you look at this game, like, and you kind of look at the entire and how it's always won and how it's always been built for teams to win, is that one gotta be good on special teams, but two, it's one if you can run the football and if you can stop people from killing Spencer Sanders, like what happened last year. Last in Norman. year, yeah. Last year, I mean, Ronnie Perkins it was a master. Was he was living in the Oklahoma State backfield? It was uh, it was beautiful to watch. Uh, special teams, yes, uh, which makes me a little nervous. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with Gabe. Not nervous for the punter. I mean, Michael He's Turk amazing, is awesome. Michael Turk is awesome. Um, so no, I am uh, a little nervous for Gabe Burkich. Hopefully, this this could be a good redemption story if his number's called. Um, but yeah, man, it for me it starts with with OU's defensive line. It has to be there. It has to be like it was. It has to stop the run. That's what Oklahoma State wants to do. They don't want 
Spencer Sanders throwing it a ton. They don't want him, you know, possibly throwing interceptions. They don't want to put him in those positions. Uh, the We talked to Chisholm yesterday on the Triple M, and they said, you know, he was like, Caleb Williams is going to be running a lot. Like, he's going to be running for his life a lot, basically. And some of the best plays Caleb's made have been on the run and, like, broken plays. So that might – I mean, I don't know. It, I'm not saying it's going to work in OU's favor. I'm saying – that that I'm just I'm just laying it out there. That's Caleb Williams, him rolling out to his right, finding someone maybe on a broken play. Like it's been good so far. So I I don't know, man. I'm just excited. I'm ready, man. It's I'm a fun week. Like, it is. It, it, the best part, the nervous is, energy. It's like man. think it's Thanksgiving, and when Bedlam is around Thanksgiving, and that's what makes it the best part is because so many people in the state of Oklahoma, people that have been to the state of Oklahoma that grew up here, went to school here, that listen to this podcast. You get it, but that's what's so good. So at my Thanksgiving, we'll have, it'll be all Oklahoma people. But I know of like when there's mixed families of like Oklahoma State and Oklahoma people oh, yeah. this week, Matt, on Thanksgiving. It's, it's the only thing that's talked about. And that's what that's what's so great about Bedlam. And we'll touch on this in just a second with some of the comments from Mike Gundy and Lincoln Riley the last couple days. But it is, it, it's it's a rivalry. Oklahoma, I think, believes ninety eighteen and seven. I think it's the official record. I think so. Sounds right. Um, Oklahoma probably hits a hundred before Oklahoma State hits twenty. By the way, if I think that's how <laughs> I think that's how the math works out. Right. Uh, but it's that's what makes it so good. And like, and the best part is, and I'll say this: I'll give Oklahoma State fans credit. There was one game in my lifetime that or since I've been really been diving into college football. So let's go 2010. Let's just, I'll just go an arbitrary year like that. In 2017, walking out of the stadium, that was the first time that I had heard Oklahoma State people have been like, man, uh, Baker's really good. Like, Baker yeah. beat us. Like, Baker beat us today. Like, and they kind of were just like in awe of like how well he played. So I think they've become, because of how the dominance has been since – especially since 15. I think they've I think there's more respect between the two kind of fan bases and who they are, but it's heightened this week. Like I have the tweets on Saturday night after Oklahoma State was like finally up on tech and it started. And not the Tay Martin quote that was completely misinterpreted by the Marshall Scott and I like Marshall a lot, but he put that tweet out for clickbait and he got what he for sure. He got yeah. what he wanted and um but no, it was the Oklahoma State fans of like, don't sell your tickets to OU fans. Like, they were, there's a ton of flooding, spamming Twitter with that. Uh, they don't want us anymore. Like, they yeah. were, they're too good for us, dude. It is delicious. This is, it is, it makes what is so good about this because, like, Oklahoma State. You have a, you, you have a brother. I do not. Only child. But only no, child. I, I, you were mentioning Thanksgiving. I have to go to my mom and stepdad's uh, for Thanksgiving. Stepdad. Big OSU fan. Oh, that's see, so. really, really good. But what I love about this rivalry, especially over the last like three or four years, is that Oklahoma State has completely embraced being the little brother. And I mean that in like a good way. Right. Because like at some point, right, I'm the little brother, right? I like to agitate, 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 agitate. But until I was physically able to start like beating my brother in sporting events, like I fought like hell 
to be like, no, you can't beat me. No, you can't beat me. And then yeah. I finally got to 16, and he's 20, and he's getting man strength, and I would not. And it's like, okay, well, maybe I'm just never right. going to be able to beat you. And, like, I think Oklahoma State people have, like, hit that, like, realm. And I think social media and the internet and all that stuff probably plays more into it. But they are heading into this one very confident. And it what's, and that's what makes it so good. Uh, Matt, I think there are some important comments we do need to touch on in this podcast. Uh, Mike Gundy basically alluded to the idea that Oklahoma, the Bedlam, like it'll be really hard to reschedule. Uh, credit Max Olson. I don't know if you've read this, the story that was in The Athletic about Oklahoma State's kind of position after Oklahoma made the move to the SEC. Good read. It's worth reading. But, uh, you know, basically... It makes sense what they're saying is like we've got contracts with Power Five opponents through like 2037. Right. And so, like, it would be really hard to, if you cancel a game, it's going to cost a lot of money. And two, uh, it's hard to kind of, you don't want to play two Power Five teams like that in the same year. Like, it hurts your chances of getting right. to the goals you want. So, that makes a ton of sense. Um, I'm not on board with the people that are like, let's just not play this game. Like, we're cool with not playing it. Man, it's like part of my childhood. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. It, but all those reasons, I mean, that's like, it's reasonable, right? Like, you can see, you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. All of that makes sense. It would just, it would be, because it, it's fun. It's fun to, you know, the banter back and forth, man. It's it's fun. Like, just it's it's I would say it's more fun than the banter between OU and Texas. It's different when you're an OU fan. I would say it's different when you're an OU fan. The banter is better uh, against Oklahoma State. OU Texas has like hate behind actual actual, actual, hate, actual hate. hate. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're all still Oklahomans. Um, we we got to live with each other. Yeah, I think that's and, I think that's I think that's probably what it is. It's like. You know, you give you give your little brother a noogie once a year and like move on with your life. Right. Like this is what has to be done, and I understand the whole rent is due thing, and I get all that. So, yeah. um, I just and Lincoln Riley said that you know he wishes it could continue. I believe today, and you know all that fun stuff. So Oklahoma's done a really good job. Been like, hey, well, we want to play the game, and Oklahoma State's like, well, we, we don't have room to play you right now. Right, and so like there's. There's two sides to every story, and I'm sure uh, I, I thought a funny part of the story today, Matt, that Max Olson wrote. Um, Chad Weiberg, the athletic director at Oklahoma State, and Joe Castiglione have not talked. <laughs> that makes sense. Is that not hilarious? It's hilarious. It is. Like I, I understand, and I get it, but now like. This is from Joe's side too, right? Like, yeah. I, 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 we don't know if Joe's tried to reach out or if Chad's tried to reach out to Joe. Like, regardless of what it is, but like, Joe Castiglione's gonna be on the sideline and they're gonna run into each other or talk. And it's gonna be like, "Sup?" And they're just gonna walk and keep walking by each other. Like, it's serious. It's not that serious. And right. Oklahoma's tried for years and years to bring Oklahoma State with them wherever they win, and. Like, you look at the map, and I was actually looking at some recruiting stuff today. Like, Oklahoma State, with their recruiting class this year, Matt, is, like, setting themselves up for if they can stack this next class of so 23, 24, 25, if they can stack some classes together, like, they have some legit, like, opportunity to rise within the sport yeah. of who they are. Uh, they have, I believe, five blue-chip guys 
Oklahoma State does committed to them right now, which is a lot more than they've had in the last decade. Uh, Missouri's kind of in that same path. And, like, you kind of look at both of them and then Arkansas, like, those three are kind of connected in that same realm of we're not elite. We have, you know, recruiting disadvantages because of location. We have recruiting disadvantages because of pedigree. We have recruiting disadvantages because of money. Like, yeah. There's a there's a lot to, to to think and say there, but at the end of the day, like Oklahoma ended up making the choice for themselves. Um, they didn't go with Texas because if they had they were going to go to the Big Ten, you know we've we, we've covered everything about realignment. Like they were going to go to the Big Ten without Oklahoma State too. Like it wasn't yeah. it wasn't just pairing with Texas to go to the SEC. Like that's I don't think that's what it was. So it's it's interesting to kind of hear some of the backstory. Um, and again, that's in the athletic with Max from Max Olson today. It's a really, really, really good read. Um, but again, both coaches were asked about it. Mike Gundy basically said, "I don't think it's going to happen." That's his opinion. Uh, he wanted to make that clear that it was his opinion. And Lincoln Riley basically said that you know he hopes that the game can stay. All right, so let's transition into a little bit else that came out of Lincoln Riley's press conference today, Matt. Uh, Andrew Rain expected to play Saturday. Really. That's what uh, that's okay. what Lincoln said. That's what Lincoln Riley said this morning. All right, that did not look good. No, Ray, he, he got, did not roll, look good. He got yeah. rolled up pretty good there. Yeah, that did not, that surprised me. But hey, it's good to, good to hear though. DJ Graham questionable is what Lincoln Riley listed. If you want to, if you think he's telling the truth on either of those, right? I never heard what DJ Graham's actual injury was. I just know that he was me on neither. the sidelines. I don't know, just in his jersey. Yeah, and yeah. he was kind of walking with a straight leg, so like probably okay. muscle injury of some sort. But yeah, if Andrew Rain's back this week, good for them. If he's not, Conjol's fine as a replacement. Like right. you're not losing a ton there. Uh, it's interesting. I think Matt, if you want to go to something that we didn't hit off off the top, I I think Eric Swenson has to play. I don't I know so where at, but I think he has to play and. After the last two years, after the last two years, I wouldn't have ever said that. Um, but when he comes in, it seems like good things have happened for Oklahoma this year, especially in the run game. Uh, if you know Rams back, great. He's more versatile. He's more athletic. He's just as physical as a fifth year guy. Uh, but you look at Chris Murray at left guard or right guard with Marquis Hayes, whatever may work. I think you have to find a way to get Eric Swenson in the ball game this week. I think so too. I think uh, OU's run game. I mean, it just it went to a different level when he came in, for whatever reason. Uh, I don't know what. I've been I've been kind of disappointed with Anton Harrison. I'm sure he's had better. I'm sure he's had better. He struggled last weekend. So, yeah, I'm sure he's had better uh, days than I've probably given him credit for. But I I haven't been as impressed with him uh, this year as I kind of was last year. Um, but yeah, Swenson's got he he has to be, has to be. And I thought I'm with you. I thought Conjol was fine when he came in. Yeah, he had a couple like missed assignments, which to be expected coming off the bench, especially at center. Yeah. So you hope that if Rain can't get much practice in this week, Conjol's running with the ones can get a little more comfortable in case Rain gets hurt. Um, but that was it. Uh, everybody else. I, I don't think we have to hit on anybody else in terms of injuries. Tyrese Robinson got benched and then came back in like a player too late. Yeah, <laughs> that was really weird. Yeah, I didn't even notice whenever I was going through all 22, Matt, I didn't even notice that he got hurt. Really? 
Like, yeah, it was so quick. Like, I didn't – or he came out of the game. Yeah. Not hurt. Sorry. I was about to say, like, I think it was like one or two plays later he was back in because whoever replaced him had to come out. So, kind of on top of everything that's happened, uh, especially in the realm of college football in the last week, Oregon does lose to Utah's expected SMU with a uh, lame duck head coach because he's leaving for TCU. And Sonny Dykes gets rolled by Cincinnati in the land of Skyline Chile. Everything else is kind of status quo. Some big games this week. Michigan-Ohio State, Alabama-Auburn. Bo Nix is trying to get his backup quarterback killed. Yeah. Yep. What is he doing? I said this yesterday. I just like putting, I, putting bulletin board material against Bama. Just, we've seen that it doesn't it doesn't end well. I don't understand. Like he's played Bama, right? I think he's beat Bama actually right. in 2019. Uh, just, like he, I don't know, man. I it doesn't make much sense to me. Um, Cincinnati has a, I think a really weak opponent this week. I need to pull up the calendar right now. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Matt it. It's that best time of the year. Like oh, this yeah. is this is Thanksgiving. You got Iowa, Nebraska. I think it's on Friday or I think maybe you get Saturday. all the rivalries, man. Yeah, you get the Egg Bowl Thanksgiving night. The NFL, the NFL games are brutal. I don't know. If, have you seen what the NFL games are? No. Uh, Lions Bears is one of them. Ugh. Oh yeah, not a great Yikes. Thanksgiving Day slate of football this year. But there are some interesting games going on around the country. Georgia plays Georgia Tech. That's an easy walk-in. Should be a nice bye week for Georgia ahead of playing Alabama. Anything else that sticks out to you that's out in the college football world? UTSA, uh, meet, meet. Meet, meet, man. Find, finds a way to stay undefeated. They're going to go to a, a New Year's Six Bowl. Are they really? I don't know who they'll play, but right. if they're undefeated, I think they'll be the highest-ranked undefeated or G5 team, unless BYU's way up there. Right. And BYU's lost. so Or unless Cincinnati loses or yeah, if doesn't, get in the, doesn't get well, in the Well, they're going to have to win. I mean, if they lose, Houston gets the New Year's Six Bowl bid. Oh, that's right. Oh, man. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm just excited to see how it all plays out, man. This year has been just – this has been so weird. This has just been such a weird college football season, man. And uh, I'm I'm just ready to see how it plays out. I've already, you know, I've already given in to this uh, weird acid trip of a college football season. I'm just I'm here, man. I'm I'm enjoying the trip. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a, it's been a wild one. Like I last week was probably some dumb decisions were made by me. Like I had the SMU and Pittsburgh, and I forgot to check it. And like Virginia just gets steamrolled by Notre Dame a couple weeks ago. And I was like, well, if Armstrong's out, like Pittsburgh will roll them, like no big yeah. deal. Yeah. Well, Armstrong played. He's back. And ends up putting a bunch of yards on them. Um, I think the other interesting part, and something I want to get talk, you know, get into get into here with you, is there's three job openings out there, maybe four in college football. There's a lot. I mean, there's there's been a lot of coaches that have been fired in the last couple of weeks, but uh, Dan Mullen let go from Florida. Which there's some ties here because of some of the comments he made post game. Basically, like our last, this team's last game was in the SC Championship game. Whenever they lost, they did not have Kyle Pitts. They didn't have Kadarius Tony uh, against Oklahoma or Trevin Grimes or three top skill players. Uh, Dan Mullen ends up getting fired after the uh, shoe thrown against LSU. <laughs> I think they I think he went like three and eight against Power Five opponents after that or something. So there's three jobs that are open. 
Uh, I said this yesterday with you on air. Like, part of me like hates the fact that like Dave Aranda's taken off so quickly at Baylor because like now it's right. gone. Like, yeah. Like there's. But there's he's his, deserving of it though. He is. Like he's deserving to have a, a top job. Like no doubt. But we're kind of getting to a point, Matt, where there's more top openings than I think there are top candidates. It's crazy. And we talked about uh, Dan Mullen, you know, saying that he didn't like to recruit. He, so now he doesn't have to, um, which is hilarious because, like, a couple days later, Chris McClellan commits to Florida. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I, I don't I don't know if he's, like, if he's going to sign there. Fair like enough. I That's hate, fair. Yeah, like yeah. I hate to, use, I hate to, I hate to like put out, put that out there. But like I, I don't know if that's like an actual like commitment. Fair enough. Could like, be just yeah for show. Sure. Like hey, I don't. Yeah, again, I, I seriously, was, I don't did know. think, I did think it was funny because he put out his like top six graphic or whatever, and like half of the teams on there didn't have head coaches currently. Right. Florida, yeah. Florida LSU. Yeah. Florida's, USC, Florida's, like, they're not even going to keep Todd Grantham. Like he's no. going to get fired. Yeah. No, he he got fired. Right. I just, I thought that was hilarious. Like half the teams that were on his top six didn't have head coaches. Um, That's what I love real quick. What I love about like jobs like this now too, Matt, is that Dan Mullen got to fire like two or three coaches before he got fired. Oh yeah. Don't you love that? You just get to They're just saving their you job. get to stroke your ego for just a couple more weeks. Yeah, yep. fuck you. You're the <laughs> you're the reason why we suck. Not right. me. Not me. You. 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 I guess it was all of us now after he, after he gets fired. Yeah, they're all hanging out in Tuscaloosa at the coach's rehab facility down there. They're all hanging out oh, drinking yeah. a cup of coffee. Oh, for sure. How did we all end up here? <laughs> right. I'm I'm intrigued by all three of those jobs though. Cuz during my lifetime like all at some point in my lifetime, all three of those jobs have, have been, been, been really good, really good. Like Urban Meyer's Florida team, we all we all know it here. At even USC and LSU, OU suffered suffered defeat at the hands of all three sure. of those programs in their primes. Um, the when when Urban had Florida going, like man, it was just a factory. Same with Pete Carroll at USC, that was just a factory. Of, of players and then you know saving at LSU like all three of their past head coaches at LSU have won national championships like it's it's just it's good it's crazy to see and then Dave Aranda probably getting the LSU job probably uh, I thought like you said USC would be maybe more likely I just uh, for him, I worry but. with LSU like immediately like, you're Dave Aranda. Like, you want to kind of strike while the iron's hot a little yeah. bit. Like, you could step back, go into LSU, and but you've got to rebuild that offensive side of the ball. Right. It's been two years removed since Joe Brady's back. Their offensive line's not very good. Uh, their their quarterback situation. They have Garrett Nussmeyer. That's a, I don't just drop names very you know often, but that's a guy out of high school that early on when he was just a kind of a three-star guy that I was like, holy shit. Like, he's got a chance. Um, so they got a good quarterback. They still got to c- continue to get depth in that room. USC's in bigger d- disarray out yeah. there, but you can go to USC and strip. If there are issues internally, culture wise, you can strip that and build it up a lot quicker, like Aranda did with. He didn't have to do much with Baylor, um, but you could do that a lot faster, I think, at USC than you can LSU right now, especially considering the fact that like. I don't know. I mean, are they still in trouble for some of these Orgeron things? 
Like, aren't they still being investigated? I know. I mean, it's LSU. I mean, it is Baton Rouge. Yeah. My thing too is, I think, I think USC, you have way more, uh, okay, way more stability. I would say, at USC. I mean, they gave Clay Helton so many years. Yeah. So many years. LSU, if you have an underwhelming season, they want your ass gone. Ed Orgeron won a championship with one of the best college football teams of all time. Two years ago. Out. He's out of there. Get get his ass out. Florida. That ran through fucking everyone. Sorry for my language. <laughs> they ran through everyone. Like what? They hired Dan Mullen away from Mississippi State. No, you're gone. Sorry. Sorry. Florida Florida's had some problems though. I will say that. I yeah, just- this idea so like that's the other thing too I want to talk to you about. Florida's job right now. Like, I was seeing some quote. You saw me tweet about this today. But you saw some quotes out there, and they're like, oh, yeah, like, you should be able to go up and beat Georgia on the recruiting trail. And I'm like, no. What world are we living in? Like, is it in Oklahoma's best interest to go and try to beat Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State at their own game? No. No. Absolutely not. No. You you want to go in and, and you want to land yours whenever you have opportunities. Gabe Dindy from the state of Florida. Uh, with Oklahoma ties, Lebius Overton, a kid from the state of Georgia in the 2023 class with major Oklahoma ties. I mean, you you go, you go win yours. Like, if you're Florida, you're in the state of Florida. Uh, Florida State's down bad still a little bit. They're playing better football. Um, Miami's down bad. Miami's down bad. Um, you know, they, like, it's a good job. Like, it's a yeah. job that if I'm a coach looking to take a leap to a Power 5 job, Florida's that's a job I would take. Now, they have some you want to talk about some internal stuff. I know you've seen me tweet about this too. Uh I don't know if they're gonna have a school president or athletic director okay. like in the next couple months. Have you seen the story? <laughs> not, no. Okay, so at Florida, they have there is some uh lawsuit or you know, some suit that someone is filing against the state of Florida or something, and like two or three of their professors were asked to speak in front of the judge in front of everything, and the university denied that request. Ooh. So it's like a freedom of speech violation, yeah. right? Um, so Congress is now getting involved in this. Oh yeah, the presidents. They're oh yeah, oh yeah, they're president. So Florida's okay. gonna, Florida's going to have a new president, likely Scott Strickland, very highly thought of athletic director in the world of college athletics, likely gone. Um, so Florida's going to have. An interim president, an interim athletic director, more than likely. And like now you kind of look at some of the problems they have. Like when Urban Meyer's tenure was done at Florida, it was kind of like what Jimbo's was at Florida State. You got a ton of bad, bad, bad characters around. Yeah. Um, I mean, people were killed under Urban Meyer, not killed. Yes. Uh, wait, no, that's murder. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Aaron Hern- murder. Yeah. yeah, Aaron Hernandez killed a guy. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you had guys that were killed under Urban Meyer, and then you get to Jim McElwain, and that goofus didn't know Ooh. that goof. Whatever he didn't know what he was doing. Dan Mullen was kind of getting it, but Matt, I've been updating some stuff today. I know you saw me tweet out some blue chip ratio stuff. So I was just curious, like, what is Florida like when you look at what they can do on a recruiting base, like where they can get to, like they're kind of capped like a Clemson Oklahoma. Right. Like they're they can get to that 70 75% range, but 
Anywhere else above that, blue chip ratio-wise, not good. Like, probably not going to get there. Ohio State's got a chance. Georgia's there. Alabama's there. Those three are going to be kind of in their same realm of recruiting for a, a good while here until there's a coaching change or I'm for probation, violation. Right. Like, there's going to be something kind of along the same lines. Like, like LSU. Like, I was looking at LSU today. So they don't have a coach right now. You ready for this? Yeah. They've got 13 commitments. They got ten blue chip guys. Committed. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I mean LSU does Makes recruit. Sense. LSU recruits itself. I mean the state of oh, Louisiana. Yeah. Those kids are super loyal. Makes a lot of sense. I think there's there's so many problems at LSU in Florida, and God USC so unstable. I mean they are more like you said. Like they give you time to build what you want to build. They expect results, but it seems like that that's a administration that kind of understands a yeah, little more bit lee- more, more leeway. leeway. Yeah, they got a new uh, athletic director, but the Bone, I think is his last name, uh, came from Cincinnati. Luke Fickle's been connected there. James Franklin uh, signs a 10-year extension with Penn State today. Saw some numbers, and shout out to Sheehan, uh, good friend of the pod, does stuff with CBS Sports now. Uh, He does a lot. He's Baylor grad, as people know. Um, He kind of laid out some of the buyout stuff with James Franklin. I guess he can get out of that thing in two years, like, Two yeah. years from now, like he can get out of it. Like if he wanted to go to another job, which is really, really funny. Uh, but he's off the table. So how this, how I kind of see this working out? Lincoln's been linked to LSU. I'm fairly confident as of this podcast that although there are still a lot of high profile people in Baton Rouge that think it could happen, and I'm not going to dismiss that at all. Even though this is recorded on Tuesday ahead of Bedlam Week. Um, there's a there's still some chatter about kind of some stuff, but I don't see it happening. I don't think it's gonna happen. So take Lincoln off the board. You have Billy Napier, you have Dave Aranda, you had James Franklin, you have Luke Fickle. Uh, now Franklin's off the board, so you have three with Luke Fickle, Matt Campbell. Who else besides that do these three schools want? Uh, I think it would be really funny if Florida tried to. Uh, get the other Mississippi State or the other Mississippi schools. Lane coach get, get, get Kiffin. I was looking at that today too. Ole Miss is not recruiting like I expected them to year two with Lane. I thought they'd be fifty percent blue chip kids. I mean, I guess they still have a chance. I'm like, yeah. but they've got thirteen commitments and only four of them are blue chip kids. I think that'd be really funny. I think, I think, yeah, I think Aranda's nailed on to LSU. He's um, getting one of these jobs. Oh, yeah, for sure. He is getting one of these. Three. Him and Napier, I think, are the like two certain guys that yeah. I think get a job. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see with Fickle. It'll be interesting to see. I don't know. I, I think I think you're right. I think one of those three is just. They're going to be left for somebody. Yeah. Like, they're going to be left looking to hire, I mean, grasping at straws at Bob Stoops, who's <laughs> been linked to Florida already. <laughs> of course. Um, they're going to be grasping. They're going to go get somebody. I mean, LSU was going to go get fucking Mel Tucker. It gives no offense to Mel Tucker. He's right. had a great year. But I'm as a big data guy. Um, Michigan State's pretty lucky to be like 10 and 1. Yeah. So, like, Michigan State's 10 and 1, and Nebraska's 3 and 8, and you could honestly close to being able to flip both of those records. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, Nebraska's looking at their win loss column. Oh, it's, dude, it's they're rough. They're three and a, it's it would be it's, rough. It's from a data perspective, it's like one of the toughest things to look at because it's like I feel so bad for you, like at times. But yeah. at the same time, like 
they were going to go hire Mel Tucker. Like, mm, that's what that's the other thing too. Like, every coaching hire is so unique in the way of like a guy could have a great resume and could come in and hire the wrong OC in DC and be screwed for three years. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. A bad head coach can come in and hire the right OC in DC. And if he's just a CEO, if he's like, oh, hey, this is your offense, this is your de- this is your offense, this is your defense, do my best Edward Tron voice. Um you could have success. Yeah. But it is kind of a crapshoot. I mean, you I think there's a lot of people that when even when Lincoln took over for Bob that were very, very skeptical of it, of well, like he's never had the head coaching experience. I think we're still seeing some of that stuff play out at times. Um, a fake punt happened on Saturday. Did you guys talk about that post game? Oh, yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure because no one asked Lincoln about it post game. So. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, um, even though they, I feel like they had been in like punt safe a couple times before that, and then the one time they don't. Anyways, <laughs> I I again I think that it's such a crapshoot of like there's going to be good hires. Yeah, half jokingly, half jokingly, Lance Leipold, not to one of these three big that we that we talked about. I think like Baylor, it'd be smart for like Baylor to money whip him away I think from so Kansas. Too. If you win two games at Kansas, you're they doing they, great things. They should have won three. They should have yeah, beat They should have. They should have. They should have. But no, I I say that half jokingly. I don't think he's going to go anywhere. Um, but dude, he's he's done a hell of a job at Kansas. He has, and I was looking at some of the recruiting stuff today. Well, one really bad sign. They only have six commitments right now at this point in the thing. Not uh, great. By the Not way, great. by the way, TCU only has four. Mm. And I th- when I was looking at their list, they have five. Sorry, and I was looking at it. I think three of those guys are going to decommit too. So Sonny oh. Dyke's going to be taking over and having to fill out an entire class. Ugh. I'm gonna have to figure out a way to get the transfer portal involved. I may need your may need some of your insight and in being like, well, like we we kind of seen the transfer. So like USC is a, a perfect example of that. Like USC, you know, kind of going to some of my preseason stuff. Like USC, they had a, a bunch of guys transfer in that had a bunch of talent. Uh, they had a lot of guys get hurt. Uh, they had a nose tackle, one of the top nose tackles in the country from his recruiting class, went to USC. Uh, he got hurt. They had a, one of their best tackles got hurt, but they had Jake Smith from Texas got hurt. Um, there's they had a lot of guys that transferred in, and I think USC is one of the perfect prime examples. Them in Texas State, obviously. I don't know if you've seen how bad Texas State's been down bad. They didn't they didn't sign a single high school recruit last year. They only took transfer kids. Oh yeah, and they're we've won like two games, two or three games, I think. Oh wow. Yeah. So I think we're learning like as this portal process continues to go on, like we're learning of like how you should kind of weigh it in your head, how you should weigh it on paper, you know, this and that, like whatever. I mean, you look at these jobs right now, like say Florida's got a ton of turnover, right? Like one, that's good for the head coach because you can sign a full class next year, 25, 30 guys and everything looks good. Um, But at the same time, Matt, like, like you can't, look at Kansas or you can't look at TCU. You can't, if you're Texas, you can't just go, okay, we're going to go dip into the portal for 10 guys yep. and it work out. Cause like I said, Michigan state did it and everybody's like, Oh, well go look at what Michigan state did this year. Well, if Michigan state played all the games that they played this year and say everything was the same next year, their record's still not as good no. because of, I, th- I thought because they were of frauds. I thought they were frauds the entire time to be honest. Yeah, and so it, there's just a lot, and 
again, like I said, these coaching hires are such a crapshoot at this point of it's all about situation. It's all about fit. It's all about timing. It's all about who you hire. There's a, there's a lot that goes into it and we'll kind of see how this plays out. But as I said, I, there's still some Lincoln stuff lurking out there. Uh, I, we've talked about it. Like it's, it's kind of Riley's fault in a sense of, you know, when LSU or whoever reached out whenever they did, you know, and you have one conversation with not Lincoln, but your agent has that one conversation that the LSU people start talking, you know, Scott Woodward goes, hey, if we get to number value X, maybe he'll come. That's what I was told. Then word starts percolating. Then it hits the message boards. And then it hits to the guys that you know. You, the know, you know, I know a guy who knows a guy kind of thing, right? And so now it then, you know, it's funny how the news, you know, kind of spreads like that. And it took about two and a half weeks, three weeks for it to really, really hit uh, the Lincoln stuff. So which tells me again that we were far, that train had already left the station without signing or doing anything. And I would assume and imagine that Oklahoma is working on some sort of extension, but uh, regardless of that, there's some coaching stuff there. Uh, we dove into the playoff. We touched on Bedlam a little bit, Matt. Um, it's Thanksgiving week. Before I throw to you to uh, talk to our patrons and let them let their voices be heard on the question this week, uh, Mr. Peyton Guthrie is fine. He's got a sore throat. There's a lot of that going around. I, I don't know. It's been a it's a weird sick virus here. Yeah. Um, but anyways, it's Thanksgiving, Matt. What are you looking forward to? Food. Food. Food? Food. Yeah. That's, uh, oh, I guess seeing family. Uh, seeing family's cool, but no, the food, man. What's on your plate? What, what do you, what, everything, if you, everything well, I can find. Well, if you could go, if, if you had to have five things on your plate, what are you eating? Uh, turkey. Okay. Um, gravy doesn't count. I'm assuming gravy is. Gravy does not gravy, count. Gravy, okay. Gravy's included. Is it dressing or stuffing? Uh, stuffing. Yeah, we're, got, we're young. I got turkey. I got stuffing. I got green bean casserole. I got mashed potatoes and rolls. Just all the carbs, baby. All right, I got. I'm gonna go with some turkey. I'm. I am a. I not gonna sit here and say like these people need to be put on a you know in front of a firing squad or anything, but ham is for Christmas. Ham is not you. for Thanksgiving. Like, what you. are we doing? I'm with you. And I will say that turkey isn't my favorite. Like, if you offered me a steak or a turkey, obviously I'm choosing steak. I'm cool with but, steak on Thanksgiving. But, no, same, same. But, like, I don't know. That's, like, the one day a year where I, like, have turkey. So that's the day I want turkey. Turkey, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and a nice cooked one. It's been the oven, not dry. Right. Um, And so if I had to go, I'm a big broccoli Cheese and rice casserole guy. Nice. Green bean casserole. It's also yep. on the list. Yep. Turkey. Uh, stuffing. And see, cranberry sauce, cranberry people, leave it to the 50-year-old people or older. Right. I, it's past this generation. I hope it's completely eradicated. Agreed. On Agreed. Thanksgiving Day. Like, just don't understand the concept of cranberry sauce on Thanksgiving. Like, well, Me do you have you tried cranberries? No. Cranberry sauce? No, I have not. I've tried a couple. Like, it doesn't make much sense to me. Um, but I got to, f- I got to four. I'll have to add mashed potatoes to it. Go, oh, yeah. go five. Oh yeah. Here's the other thing. It's the dishes ahead of it. 
Deviled eggs. Oh, dude, yes. Oh, my Lord. I could eat mm. so many of those things. I know people don't like uh, pumpkin pie. I love pumpkin pie, man. So, yeah, dessert-wise, I'm a big pumpkin pie yep. Thanksgiving. My family is very... They they like to bake. They've I've got a, a cousin of mine that is gone through like as high into like dietitian, like as a dietitian, as well as in culinary school. She's oh, been yeah. to some. So you're eating good. Oh, dude, it's it's not even close to comparison. Like it's it you just have to be there. I mean, this she makes so the person that makes all of our desserts for Thanksgiving, like if there's a wedding, she makes their wedding cakes. Oh. She made the wedding cakes for my brother's wedding, my cousin's wedding I just had, uh, another wedding I've been at. She's made. Oh yeah, it's it's not it's not fun. Like when I when I lived at that house, like it was like every week there was a new dessert, and it's like, guys, like I'm right. I'm trying to lo- not right. trying to put on weight here. <laughs> exactly. Like, like I appreciate the opportunity, but right. it's it's not. Uh, I'm I'm big on pumpkin pie, and they make fresh whipped cream. Oh. Oh my lord! Ooh, yep, yep. Pumpkin pie whipped cream, man. That's uh, man. I'm getting hungry now. Oh, no doubt. And like I said, the uh, NFL slate's terrible on Saturday on on Thanksgiving. We do get the Egg Bowl That's Thanksgiving good. Yeah, night, I, though. I will probably tune into the Egg Bowl instead of you never, whatever NFL game. Is you never on. know what's going to happen in the in the Egg Bowl. You got uh, Elijah, Elijah Moore, Moore yeah. yeah, legendary. Oh man. Yeah. Just the pissing dog celebration. Oh, it's it was perfect. That's what that's what college football is all about, Matt. Unless you're Lane Kiffin, who is it's, it's just a football game. Yeah, it's just he game. is the he has become, and I know a lot of people are just like, oh, he's you know, he's just a funny guy. Like it's very cliche stuff. Like blah blah. blah. He has become called the troll that we needed in college football. Oh yeah, from a coach, we need a heel. From a coach. We need we you need a heel, and I think he's a heel that means well. I think, I think that's a good way to put it. I I do think he means well. He means well, oh, for yeah. sure. But he knows what he's doing. He, he's playing he the did, part. He had one of the best records this year picking games on as a guest on Pick'em. Did he really? <laughs> like, this, yeah, this guy. So here's your NFL games. You ready? You got a good night game. I'll give you, I'll give him that. You got a good night game. You got Bears-Lions at 1130. Ugh. Raiders-Cowboys. Eh, that might that might not be a bad game. Well, pre Henry Ruggs and J- John Gruden situation, maybe. Oh yeah, that, that happened. <laughs> that uh, Bill say who else? Though they had a uh, they had a DB that was threatening guy with a gun, right? Oh, I don't know. I didn't hear about that one. Yeah, I think they had a DB. The Raiders did that, like put on somebody was threatening him or like saying he was going to show up to their place, and he was like. Did an Instagram stories and was like showing his guns. Like I'd basically I dare you. All right. Well, oh, I think dude. the first two stories oh. buried that lead right there. Oh my lord! But, um, man, you get Bill Saints is your is your night game. Sometimes. Have you seen uh, that the Saints might be without Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram? So <laughs> really, yeah. Third string running back. Uh, obviously, don't have Jameis Winston, so they're with uh, Trevor Simeon. So uh, the Bills. Is should... Hill healthy? You see, he got a contract extension. Yes. It's that has like all these the weird. Stupid, yeah, it's the dumbest I thing. It. I don't get it. I don't get it. Matt, let's. Uh, I'll let you be. Let us speak to our ears for a question of the week on Monday on our Patreon post. If you want to be involved with that? That's Patreon.com/slash through the keyhole. This week's Monday question from Peyton Guthrie was: What 
is your favorite Bedlam memory. From Matt Kimber, said 2003, Les Miles with his stupid effing letter rip quote, after being beaten by that melodramatic rag twice in a row, our boys were out for blood. Also in the week leading up to the game, Les said some dumb shit like, one team might be the best team in the country and one is a pretty good football team. On Saturday, we'll find out which one's which. So in the fourth quarter with the score 52 to 9, the student section starts a chant of which one's which? Chef's kiss. Davis Dunkelberger says the best Bedlam memory I have is 2013. That was such a fun game and one with wild tales associated. I still get goosebumps watching Blake Bell lead that final drive. The entire time, you just know what was coming for OSU, but they could do nothing to stop it. It was so nice to rip their hearts out with one of the late Bob Stoops era teams that were mediocre to good. And it led to the Sugar Bowl win over Bama. So that's a plus in my book. From CN or Cyan, I'm sorry. I am just terrible at reading. For me, it's when Baker Mayfield laid out a poke defender to spring Nixon for a massive run in 2015. That was the moment I knew Baker was going to be one of my all-time favorites. From Harry Taylor, hype man Harry, what about the Kyler Murray Bowl? Who knows if OS who makes that late third or early fourth quarter PAT? We might still be playing to this day, LOL. And for Mark H, 2012 overtime win in Norman. Crowd stormed the field, which really put a damper on the whole this isn't a rivalry narrative. The question from Mr. Peyton Guthrie, Matt Burton, what is your favorite bedlam? I was at the 2013 game in Stillwater. Nothing will top that. Right. Hey, it just can't. 2017 was close. 2017 is the loudest I've heard Boone Pickens. Like, I always have been to those games, and I've always thought, like, Boone Pickens is not a like, great home field advantage. In 17, they brought it. Oh, yeah. Oh, when Baker, when they had the lead, and I think in the third quarter, mm-hmm. and Baker may have thrown a pick, it was as loud as I, oh, it's going to be, this weekend's going to, oh, we'll get into that more on Thursday, but this weekend's going to be, or not Thursday, on the uh, X and O's podcast. Uh, this weekend's going to be nuts, but 13 for me, but I want to add a caveat to this. 2010, 2010, I think, is that the game where there was a bunch of tip pass, the James Hanna tip pass where they caught it, Cameron Keen, okay, there was like yeah. five touchdowns within a span of like 40 seconds or something. Right, yeah, something Landry, crazy. the... Uh... I don't know if that was the tip pass. That might have been the tip pass one. There was another one with Jermaine Gresham caught it and Sam Bradford. So I don't know when that was. Um, but I know Landry and then, yeah, it was Cameron Kinney, James Hanna. Yeah, I they both had, had a long, long touchdowns. touchdowns. Yeah. Oklahoma State returned a kickoff. Yeah. They had like three touchdowns in like 30 seconds or whatever. Been. That's a close second. That's like one of the most chaotic football games I've been a part of. I was at the 2012 Bedlam game. I was at 2014, left early. By the way, yeah, didn't, didn't, yeah, don't, don't. I, I probably my brother and I the reason why Oklahoma lost that game. I was at fifteen. I was at not at sixteen. I was at seventeen. I was at eighteen. I was at nineteen, and I was at twenty. So I've been at almost all of them of the last decade. Um, Thirteen. There's there is nothing like it. I, quick story. So this was I was wearing OU gear at this game. I'll admit I was. Um, this is before I started covering the team. I had this lady behind me 
And so everybody in Stillwater stands on the bleachers, right? Yeah. Well, it's my brother and I. So I was 13, so if you do the math, don't get mad at me for this. I was hammered. <laughs> um, and we're sitting there. It's like my brother, I, and then four other OU people, and we're in a full OSC section, Matt. This lady behind us is just ripping into us. Get off the sit down. Get off. I've, I've paid season tickets for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Get out. And my brother turned around and was like, she's like, I'm going to go get the usher if you guys, blah, blah. And like everybody else is standing around, right? Right. Where we'd like look, turn her shoulders, like look back, is like, do it. Dare you. Blah, blah, blah. Right. Well, as we going to go on, like the ball, Blake Bell throws up the pass to Justin Gilbert. Justin Gilbert's in midair. Ball comes down. It literally felt like all 50 people that were around just six of us, it like suffocated. Like, oh, yeah. it quickly, people were getting closer and we started to hear things being said. And I think I hit my brother on the arm. I was like, we need to get out of here. <laughs> right. We got to go. We got to go. So, we're walking out of the stadium and OSU fan ripped my hat away from me. It was an OU hat. Ripped my hat away from me. Um, my brother and I went and got it. Uh, it was pretty funny. There was a, a note. There's a, a husband and his wife. The husband was wearing an OU shirt, and the wife was wearing an OU nice. shirt. Truly, house divided. Oh, truly. So they're walking by each other. And my brother and I walk by, and he kind of puts his head down and laughs, and then sticks out his knucks into my brother and I as he's walking by, and his wife's just wearing him out. Oh yeah. Um, I saw an OU flag getting burned in the middle of a front yard after nice. that game. Oh, it had like everything I've ever wanted Bedlam to be. That 13 game was it. No, oh, it was great, man. It it was it's truly one of my what what's yours, man? Thirteen probably, that probably takes cake, man. Honestly, just dude, and then how good was Jalen Saunders, by the way? Oh yeah, you saw me two months. Oh my no, god! Yeah. I mean, you go to the twenty twelve game. That's still one of the loudest fourth quarters overtime. That was one of the loudest I've ever heard that stadium. Right. The as far as memory goes, uh. Although you fans will remember these two, but they do stick out to me. Uh, Brennan Clay's game game clinching uh, touchdown run, and then uh, Trent Rattery saving the uh, shutout by, by causing the fumble. <laughs> that was great. Oh man, those two memories. Yeah, Trent Rattery saving the shutout, and I can't remember what year that was. It was like twenty seven nothing. I want to say. It was 2009. At it, was at, it was at OU. It was 2009. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Broyles, I think, returned a punt. I was at that game. Yeah. Ryan Broyles returned a punt, and uh, they beat the absolute dog out of him. Zach Robinson. I think Oklahoma State was a top 10 team. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, it's that week. Uh, we'll dive more into the matchup on the next episode. I think Peyton and I are going to record it tomorrow, Matt, and then we'll send it over to you. And uh, okay. we'll just do it that way. So you can enjoy your Thanksgiving. Perfect. Uh, for everybody listening, if you got to this point, you're loyal for us. We greatly appreciate it. Thanksgiving's coming up. We hope all of you have safe travels, seeing your family, enjoying time with your family. Uh, and we'll get back with you guys uh, Thursday or Friday, whenever the next episode comes out. If you're also here, please give us a rating, five-star review, please. Nice little comment. That'd be great as well for Matt Burton, for Peyton Guthrie, who's on the IL today. I was on the IL last week. And for I and all the through the key holders out there, thank you so much for listening.